Three, two, one. Welcome to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to the series who are ready to jump in. I'm Marie Vigourou. And I'm Drew Shulman. In this episode, we're doing a recap of Supernatural Season 5 through the theme of family. Let's get this show on the road. Oh my god <laughs> i can't believe we are here i know we need to be quick and stuff but like this we just i know mary you and i discussed this off air kind of like between recordings this feels so insanely monumental to me yeah. in the fact that it is like like i mean i know we use the term eras in the fandom now and this was the kripke era but like this feels like the end of an era this feels so yeah. Final, like as much as I know there's still 10 seasons to go, we're only a third of the way in about two years. <laughs> this really feels like a huge, like, I feel like I'm like done a part of the show and I'm going into a completely new show next season. I have nothing for next season. Uh, you know, it really will feel like a new show. So I think that that is probably like the best attitude for you to have at this point. Like it's... um. It, it, it's really quite different so much so actually that to me like season six and seven like technically I don't think that you really need them in order to really understand the rest of the show so uh I I know people people like have feel, thoughts and feelings but I will say that season six has some gems in it and I know that a lot of people aren't fans of season six but I really like it for these gems of episodes and it also contains like my favorite like my top tier of episodes, which is the man who would be king. So I'm excited for you to watch that with us. And that's it. You know, I'm even looking forward, like, even if it does kind of feel like its own contained two season chunk and like doesn't fully work, is not required for the next, it'll still be a really fun two seasons of that story, which I think could be really good. Okay, hold on. There are some thoughts. Anyway, we're going to move on. <laughs> There's some thoughts in the that's chat. A- that will, right maybe we can come back to at the end, Rochelle, if you want to like write that down, because I feel the need <laughs> to justify I, I, I saw them popping up on this corner of my eye, and I'm like, uh-oh, Mary. So before I put my feet in my mouth about season six, how about you get us started with a recap of season five? Oh my god, okay, count me down. All right, three, two, one, go. Sam raised Lucifer from hell, he's free, he's on earth, he's got a vessel, he's doing shit, and shit's bad. Um, we have Cass looking for God, thinking that's his only way through this. We then have the four horsemen show up with war as our first one. Um, we see Dean go into the future to see what is going on. Uh, oh my God. Uh, what else happens? Um, we have a few fillery episodes, some fun fights. We have antichrists. We have creatures. We have monsters. Uh, we get the crazy reveal that the trickster has been Gabriel, the archangel this entire time, which really came out of nowhere. We get supernatural con, which is a hugely fun in universe thing. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else huge and important. We know about uh, the demons that have been trying to get Sam into this this whole time and how people are like actively working with them. We get Crowley as a new character who kind of seems to be a side team demon thing that I love and I hope gets more development. Uh, but ultimately it comes down to the horsemen are our big bads for the season, all leading up to Lucifer, who does end up taking out Joe and Eleanor. They get taken out in an attempt to stop him and unfortunately lose them. Um, 
Uh, we get Bobby's wife back. I mean, it just it keeps going, but ultimately it culminates in Death joining them uh, as a basically an ally. Uh, Death uh, giving them the tools they need to stop Lucifer, a final plan to go after Lucifer. And then in the end, through the power of family and love, which we'll talk about more, uh, Sam's able to throw Lucifer and even Michael into the pit. And things kind of end happily ever after, except for a cliffhanger ending where suddenly Sam is back, maybe? And before we hit time, I need to add a little bonus gift to this recap, because when do I not add a bonus gift to my recaps? What did the brothers face this uh, year, uh, this season? And I feel like the only way to do it is to kind of go back to another trick from Christmas and sing you a small song. I'm sorry for this. On the fifth season of Supernatural, Lucifer rose and gave to us a dozen different angels, 11,000 demons, tens and tens of zombies, nine antichrist death-based folklores, eight non-Christian gods, seven wraith-based murders, six demon Sammy sitters, five years in the future, four horsemen riding, three kids demon dealing, two angel witches, uh, angels witches, and a Paris Hilton and a wax museum. Oh my God, that was amazing. (laughs) Oh, that took me so long to put together. I like had like so many notepads open and Excel spreadsheets. And I'm like going into episodes and counting things being like, I guess that works. I can kind of fudge these numbers. Uh, Oh my God. So how do you feel like having done this? uh, This very specific thing. (laughs) I feel like I just got done doing drugs. Uh, (laughs) But it was, was, you know what? It was an interesting recap to do because I felt like this season did so much growth while giving us so many episodes that I don't think were filler per se, but were so much more about the plan, the long, the long game of it all, mm-hmm. rather right. than the episode itself. Like looking through, see, like when I was writing this together and doing kind of like a browse through season five, like on the wiki, and it's like how many episodes? I'm just like, okay, nothing here really comes up as far as like a monster they fought, other than just an angel or a demon again, um, which is why I thought this would work better than it kind of did. <laughs> Um, but really our big deal is the four horsemen, uh, right. their connection to Lucifer. I still mm-hmm. have questions about death, which I know you've alluded to there being more there. Um, but did I miss anything? <laughs> well, I mean, listen, we're gonna, as usual, as we do with these recaps, like we don't really do the long game, uh, this week, but we're going to be reflecting on what we've been through this season, like in the podcast and team wise. How does that sound to you? Why don't we hop right into that? Perfect. Uh, so if I can start. Please, I would be honored. I need a breather. Um, <laughs> I feel like we really breezed through season four. And in contrast, season five took forever. Like, and I started thinking about it. And the reality is that we've actually been working on season five since the summer. So it really has been a lot longer than the other four seasons that we've completed. And like, we all got sick this fall with like COVID and other things. And like, we had a lot of missing recording nights because of that. And also because of me starting my PhD, which felt like so incredibly overwhelming. And then on the other hand, like having started that also feels like also makes me feel like the scholarly work that I've been doing, like particularly since September, like has been really, really useful for me and has helped me like become better at working through some of the more challenging themes and conversations that we have. And hopefully, hopefully offering a more like nuanced take, nuanced thoughts for listeners to consider. And 
I think that my biggest area of growth in the past five seasons has been uh, my approach, not only to like the text and the canon of Supernatural, but also like how I think through like the more human and relational side of the narrative. That's a really, like, that's a lot to swallow because I think you're, what you hit, when you hit right there, and it's funny because again, uh, peek behind the curtain, we do a lot of prep for these episodes to keep it timely, but I'm going to break script for half a second to just say, you're right. There was something about this season that I think really, I don't know if it's like this season did something specific or it's just that doing this for five seasons has changed my perspective on a show like this. Um, one, I do this kind of stuff with every show I watch now and I'm rewatching Firefly and it's like made the whole show a rewatch amazing. But also it's made it so much more, and it's always been so much about Sam and Dean, but this one felt so much mm-hmm. more about like them in the show versus them just as characters, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure, it does. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna tell us like yeah. how this season went for you? So this season, uh I, I I echo a lot of what you said. It really was a crazy season. It felt not slower, but it felt like there was more going on. And I think because it was kind of building to this bigger finale, and we did pick up a lot of other small projects along the way. I mean, the pin dropping this season was a huge deal and yeah. dealing with shipping at a shop and running to the post office. It's, it's fun. I love it. I have one on my desk right here. I'm just looking at it because it's so cute. Just my little easy. It's actually the old broken bad cards. Don't show those. Those are my demo prototypes. Um, <laughs> but that was a huge change. And then a big one this season was changing how we do our lore segment into the Hunter's Journal more officially. Um, and like that's had a weird context now because I feel like I've written so many in just a season. Not that I'm running dry on ideas, but like I need to find ways to like expand my universe a bit in that lore world because I feel like I'm going to run out of things to say eventually in 10 more seasons so right it's been a very fun writing exercise and it's it's helped me pull themes from the episode because I'm usually looking at my writing from the point of view of our theme to try to tie something together um but it's overall been like you said a really heavy season uh and you add like you said injuries illness life events like you know moving provinces uh it all does weigh on you but we've been able to basically like you know duck in a storm on the surface we look calm but underneath sometimes there's a bit of chaos but we've been able to get through this so well despite the challenges that have come up in our way and i think that just shows how powerful we three have become as a team and i love it oh i love that so uh, story time i think it's time uh again as we've done in the past seasons for the recap uh we're going to be looking at the season as a whole through the theme of family and more specifically like i think it's really important to talk about like the meaning of family for sam and dean but also how that has shifted over time and how that has changed uh you're going to hear the word change a lot in in this episode sorry about that even though the theme is family but like uh i think that this is a really timely moment to talk about this uh so truth do you want to tell us a little bit about what you think family means to sam and how that has changed over the past five seasons sure uh so i feel like sam this season is really at a low point uh if we think of the hero's journey kind of this like you know he started off as like the reluctant hero uh became uh powerful and then had his great fall has to kind of like re-earn his good grace i I feel like i've looked at the hero's journey a few times and then like 
I can't tell you exactly where he is if I'm using the proper terms, but this this is a very low point. He's fallen from his highs, and you know, pre-Lucifer, he felt so powerful, and here he is, not only having to deal with how he feels, but trying to rejoin his family of Dean and Bobby because he feels there's a rift there now. Um, and as much as I feel like they have a familial bond that is so strong that even though there is a rift, there's no hatred or but there is a lack of trust. There's a matter of like regaining that goodwill. So, you know, forgiveness is not something that comes easily, especially in a family because you hold each other to a higher standard. And mm-hmm. it feels good this season to see Sam slowly earn his way back to his preseason four standings in his family. But then he goes beyond that and becomes not just the little baby brother of the family, but really becomes a character of his own. You know, we see him making smart choices, learning from his mistakes and by the end of the season, right up until this literal cliffhanger when he shows up, he truly has his family and his relationship with his brother and his found father that give him strength. And I feel it's important to point out here, it's not the strength of family per se, but the strength of those around him, those he loves and those that love him back and the ones he chooses to surround himself with. And it's their belief in him, their love for him that give him the strength to be able to be his full self. So he doesn't, it sounds weird to say, he does not need them to be whole, but them understanding him as whole allows him to better see it in himself and be strong. Right. I feel like Sam, especially in the latter part of the of season five, like manages to do something that like very few people manage to do in their lifetimes, which is like to transcend the idea of like his younger self that people have of him. Like he manages to do that when like so very few people actually manage to do it. And I think that like, that's super meaningful for him, for the people around him, just like in general, I think it's a a beautiful, I mean, a beautiful moment of self-actualization yeah. as we've talked about in, in, uh, in Swan Song. Um, So just like a really quick reminder that during our last season recap, like we had talked about family Mm -hmm. and what it means to dedicate yourself to family. And I think that like what you've pointed us to here is like the need for change within familiar relationships and how challenging it is one to change and two to have this change recognized and acknowledged by family members Um, because it's one thing to do the work but then other people will uh, not necessarily see it and just to give like a really brief example like think about how many of your own family members like still see you as the person you were when you were much younger and not the person that you are now But think also about like your tendency to revert back to the person that you were when you were much younger, when you're around said family members. So (laughs) I I really think that this is like a big part of Sam's arc in this season, like the struggle to change and to have this change recognized by his brother and his father, Bobby, in a way that his father, John, would probably never have recognized. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing too, is that there's like, ultimately it's 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 who you are it's how you see yourself it's your belief in yourself that is what's so important it's self-actualization is so crucial Mm -hmm. but the benefit of and again i say family i am very heavily leaning on found family and i mean that in the sense that the family you are born into can be your found family in that same sense because you choose to stay with them 
rather than just being forced to be with them. Mm-hmm. And that is the important thing. And a big part of picking your family, whether they be birth or found, is the fact that you are seeking from them what they are needing as well, which is the ability to recognize each other, to give each other strength, and to really truly see someone for who they are and what they want to be and what they can be. Absolutely. You know, and as much as like my own personal family, like just to really break for a second here is like you said, I, there are things that kind of come up that are kind of like, they're almost like memes at this point, but like, I feel like I become a certain character when I'm in their eyes. And it's those rare moments when I do break out of that and get a comment from them that feels like it's, they're acknowledging my growth. Uh, and as a really personal and easy example is when I came out as pansexual and everyone kind of like broke character almost for a minute to be like, but in all seriousness, like huge ups to you. We're so proud of you. And it's like, oh, I am being seen and I'm being mm-hmm. realized in my full potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really, really beautiful. And like, it's a perfect example. Um, I think for Sam, sadly, it's more on the tragic side, but like, I think that this illustrates <laughs> it like really beautifully on like the other end of like the spectrum in terms of like happy versus sad. Yeah. Um, and if we. Oof. Apologies. Um, Beautiful work, though the muting. Oh, oh listen, yes. it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 an art. <laughs> if if we manage to like just for a second like turn to the canon like or the text of the show to kind of like illustrate this or think about this, I think that I would completely agree with you that like early season five is a wake up call for Sam. Fluffy is singing the song of his people. I apologize. <laughs> um, in the first two episodes, like he really tries to apologize to Dean, but he's like starting to realize that apologies like without change are just hot air, essentially. And we see him taking some time away from Dean and free to be you and me uh, to try to stand on his own a little bit more and to actually start creating internal change. And then in Fallen Idols, he's the one who flags that like his and Dean's relationship also needs to change, not just like himself, but the relationship that they have needs to change. And um, then I think that like we reached another milestone in Dark Side of the Moon, where he realizes that he also needs to change the way that he sees Dean, more specifically that Dean needs him to change the way he sees Dean. Um, And that all culminates in swan song where he sacrifices his life in order to give Dean a chance at life. And that's like the ultimate show of change here. Like the metaphorical turning of the tables on Dean taking care of Sammy to Sammy taking care of Dean. Oh, I love that. I also love you called him Sammy at the end there. It just added a little like punch in the gut of my feelings. <laughs> mm, thank you. Um, but no, uh, incredibly well said. And I think, you know what, there's a moment really early this season that I brought up that I keep kind of going back to because I'm surprised at how smart I sounded when I said it. Um, but it is that moment of Sam realizing what needs to change and then yeah. basically saying it without doing it. Mm-hmm. Because it is so easy. Like, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I should quit smoking. It's really hard to quit smoking, though. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm... I unfortunately was really good at quitting it, but I know people who have quit, they've gone years and then just one bad day they're back. And like, you know what? Like I feel for that because it is really hard to do these huge things in your life and to look at your brother and say like, yeah, no, our relationship is bad. We need to fix this. Uh, You need to see me as an equal. And then just not working on it, but pretending it's there. And we see early this season, this kind of butting of heads of like, 
Dean's still in charge, but Sammy wants to be on equal footing, but always kind of takes the second row seat. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's something like what makes it really, really hard to, to actually change within family is that like, our childhood and our families are so intertwined with our own identities because like, that's where we developed our identities. Like if, if I ask anybody, like, why are you the way you are? Like in a serious way, they're going to be like, well, that's how, you know, they're going to talk to me about their childhood. And so at least in part, like that's where you start, you know, autobiographies usually always start with childhood. So that's, that's just the thing. And so I think that like, that's what makes it so difficult to change because then you feel like you're changing like a really uh like a core part of yourself and so to actually be able to change the way that sam dean bobby cass all did um kudos to all of them thousand percent are we ready to move on to dean oh our deanie boy dean has to reckon with what it means to forgive and grow. And I think that is something that he is, again, he has said he can do. He has opted to, he has opted to say, I forgive you, but whether he actually means it is the issue. And, you know, he's very good at doing exactly what he says he's going to do and evolving and growing. I said, sarcastically. And while Dean has emotions, he keeps them hidden and private and for so long. And it takes having someone he can truly trust that brings him to a point of being able to share You know, he receives this kind of love from Sam in the form of working through their past feelings and their past fallings out. Uh, He gets it from Bobby and having someone who he once saw as an elder figure, someone who was above him in rank or uh, maturity, now sees him as an equal. And I think the uh, poker episode definitely played a big role in that. And I think it's a very special Mm -hmm. episode for that reason. And I'll be defending it later this year. Uh Uh, and no, last... one's, no one's taking that episode away from anybody. Rochelle, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> sidebar, guys, sidebar. Uh, and then finally, we have Cass, who allows him to speak his truth and be vulnerable in a way that Dean just needs to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that speaks volume for the relationship he has with Cass and how much he sees himself in Cass. And kind of like, like we've, we've pointed out a billion freaking times the similarities between the way Dean treats John as a character in the way that Cass considers God as a character uh, and how I hate both of them. Uh, we'll get to later. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I think it's seeing someone like that and seeing reflections of himself in someone that allows him to speak that truth and be vulnerable in a way that Dean just needs. Uh, and the power of family and the bond it forges are the thing that Dean employs to set Sam free of Lucifer. And it's not so like magic of friendship, like in a Yu-Gi-Oh episode or like, because of like, you know, because I'm your brother, you can do anything. It's like I said before, it's this true connection of respect and worthiness. That is what it means to Dean that he's able to give it, that gives Sam the strength. This is at least the way I interpreted it. Yeah. You know, I find it funny because like as much as Sam's arc this season has been like about changing himself and then changing his relationships with like Dean Bobby, um, I found that the, the change in the nature of the relationship that Dean has with Sam, with Cass, with Bobby is actually what allows him to change. And I'm not sure that the distinction really matters, but I, I really think that it's there. 
Um, and like either way, I, I think it's really meaningful uh, to change for a family or to let family change you so long as it's, you know, for the better. Yeah. Um, it, you know what? It, you started saying it and I kind of had like a thought that I thought you were going to get to and you you didn't. So I'm going to say it out loud. And I think it kind of incorporates what you were saying is how Sam had to change himself. He had to work on himself to better his relationship. And then Dean worked on his relationships and like re- connecting with in this case the two most important characters as far as family bonds go bobby and sam and in doing so bettered himself it was almost like a, a yin yang situation where like one yeah. worked on themselves and bettered their connections the other worked on connections and bettered themselves as a as in a, a balance yeah Ooh. i completely agree with you yeah that's exactly it love it <laughs> I so if sometimes. we track Dean a little bit like throughout the season like he starts it off like with the really tall order like you've already explained of like having to try to forgive Sam like not only for freeing Lucifer from the cage but also for choosing Ruby over him as his family and I think that like when we start season five we don't really think about that anymore but like Dean remembers like that is what he remembers um it's not like he's not, I, I feel like he's not even so angry about freeing Lucifer as he is about Sam having chosen chosen Ruby as his family over him. Yes. Like <laughs> that's that's what Dean is most upset about. And like clearly it's really tough for Dean because like the brothers do end up going their separate ways, which does give him a chance uh to explore his chosen family in the form of giving Cass the last night on Earth speech. Uh, and trying to get him laid. Moving on, I think... <laughs> a good choice of words, I'll just say that. <laughs> I think that for Dean, uh, another episode that's really particularly important is the end. Uh, because it shows him like how his choices are going to affect the people around him. And like, specifically, how it affects the people he loves most. And I think that that becomes like motivation for him to change his behavior and like actively work to repair his relationship with Sam, but also nurture his relationship with Cass and Bobby. Yeah, I almost feel like the end would be the most interesting episode to go back and rewatch now, having mm -hmm. seen a, not a five year in the future ending, but like seeing this good ending versus that bad ending. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's the power of rewatching, like that's uh, and like revisiting mm -hmm. once you have more context. Like it's how you find your best understandings of any any text. Really, um, I could go on for a long time about the hermeneutic circle, but <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that because we're not here to allow myself to nerd out about this. I can nerd out about supernatural for now. <laughs> because after that, we do have Dark Side of the Moon, where we understand that like his issues with Sam, like they're not recent, right? They don't date back only to season four and they've been there for a while. And somewhat convolutedly, we understand that Dean actually needs Sam to choose him and that like he needs Sam to change in order to feel comfortable in that brotherly relationship. And then finally, just like Sam, like we see the culmination of all of this in Swan Song, where Sam does choose him like in the most heartbreaking way possible. And frankly, like not only Sam chooses him, right? Like, but so so do Cass and Bobby by going with him to the cemetery and making sure that he gets to talk to Sam. Oh my god, that like just reliving that 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 cemetery scene in my head and a baby, and oh, I can bring Brock to tears again. Oh, um no. 
But yeah, it's, you know what, it's, again, another one that I think is really due for a rewatch. Like, I feel like this is the first season where, like, <laughs> there are so many episodes I can distinctly go, like, oh, I want to go rewatch this episode and look at it with the fresh mindset of where we end the season. Uh, I, I think Dark Side of the Moon is another one, obviously, and I think that it shows, given how important everyone felt it was, and it clearly is. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it's the it's that it's that emergence and i feel like it's funny that i didn't really see it in like verbalize it until now but it was the seeing that all the issues that season four leading to season five we had with sam and dean were not new they were just being compounded and coming to a breaking point and we're seeing this history that of these heartbreak moments where sam chose not dean yeah exactly oh my god uh do you have some thoughts about the other characters? I was I was going to say, I, 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 yeah, I don't want to go too long. I know, again, we're, we're trying to be scheduled here. Um, but Cass and Bobby deserve at least some shout outs. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Cass in his realization and acceptance that people who care about him and choose him over those who he was made for uh, to be with is what makes a family real. And while I've joked about Cass's relationship with Sam... You know, he still does respect Sam. And I think it's so important to remember that you can have a relationship with somebody in a lot of different ways where there is kind of that, like, I don't want, like, animosity seems too strong of a word clearly here, but, you know, like, they're not best friends, but they feel like family, that they're bonded in a way that they still feel familial. You know, there's there's a respect there that they're able to work together and be together, even if it is only because they both chose Dean. You know, and Bobby... Oh, Jesus. Fuck, Bobby's had a rough season. <laughs> and, you know, while he does end it better off, and I'm not talking about because he magically gets his legs back, he genuinely has grown this season as well. Um, He's learned to see his children, and I clearly say this as his children, not just as kids that he has to be a parent for, but as equals to him in family. Uh, And, you know, clearly they've grown, and he's learned to let them become who they need to be and who they can be but at the same time, never stops being dad. And you, any reflection on our uh, our well, external families? I think that, like, one thing that's been really lovely in Bobby's arc so far is that, like, he's really um, allowed himself to uh, to be cared for by the brothers, by the boys. And I don't think that this is something that Bobby would have allowed before. Um, but like maybe the fact that he had extra vulnerability due to like becoming paraplegic, like he does need like Dean to be there for him when he's feeling suicidal. And then he needs the brothers to forgive him for his actions and dead men don't wear plaid. And like, here's the thing. We, if we had seen John in that position, it wouldn't have been anything new because like, we know that Dean used to be his emotional support ever since he was little, but the fact that it's Bobby who like throughout the season is really present for them. Um, and he's present by like immediately forgiving Sam, uh, by keeping Dean on track in Abandon All Hope and like by making a literal deal for his soul in The Devil You Know. Like it doesn't make it so that it's an imposition on the brothers. And I think that that is like, shows the context of their relationship and how strong it actually it was to begin with yeah it you know bobby this season it's it's 
I feel like on a less an analytical review, it could be easy to almost like disregard him as a side character this season because he is so much of his growth happens in what he allows to happen and in the input he gives versus his direct actions per se. Um, and outside of Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, he is very... <sighs> I say sidelined in the fact that he is more supporting than he is main cast the way Cass is in the most part until the very end, really. Um, but he grow. we see so much development in his choice of actions. Right. Now for Cass, like I've been, I've been talking all season about how Cass has been changed by Dean in, in various ways. And so yeah. uh, I feel like we've been discussing this a lot. Um, because we already know, we already knew, sorry, in season four that Cass had chosen Dean to be his family. And I think that the season was really Dean's turn to actively choose Cass as his. Um, we talked in Swan Song in the end, like for the reasons that we discussed already, that like Dean chooses Lisa and Ben and that Cass follows his lead and chooses to go back to heaven. So we've talked about that. But I think that this fits really well as well. And that choice is actually going to be explored in much depth in season six. So we'll be able to talk about that. Ooh, exciting. That That, that is literally the first thing about season six I have been made aware of. Oh, that's so exciting. That, we'll talk about that, is... that later. Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk to, about season six with you. I, like, uh, but the last I, thing that I wanted to say yeah, uh, is that I, I want to take a moment to highlight that the brothers family does get a little smaller this season with the loss of Ellen and Joe. Um, and like, I know we don't have a ton of time, but like that does change them. And particularly Dean who feels like tremendous guilt about their death. So yeah. No, I, yeah, it's, it's tough because they were so absent from the series for so long uh, like I can only think of them popping up briefly in season four once, maybe twice. Am I crazy? No, they did. I mean, they, they uh, twice, perhaps. I think if I'm. Not Anyways, wrong. they they were yeah. very absent from it, but that's also an important part of family too. Is the people that even though they're not like constantly by your side, they're still your mm -hmm. family, and I think that is exemplified even in their one appearance this episode and how heavy their loss is taken. Um, right, because they would have been in uh, Good God, Y'all, and um, Abandon All Hope. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But uh, no, glad you brought it up. Well, let's move on to critical time. Sure. So uh, we promised during our last season recap, we decided to create a and compare a top 10. So... Uh... Yeah, so we uh, basically each prepared, like Drew and I, we each prepared our personal top 10 favorite moments of season five. And like, we don't know what the other wrote. Uh, so we're going to be discovering it along like with you guys. Uh, and if it's anything like skip or no skip, it's going to be lively. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> All right. So uh, I do want to do these a little quick. Uh, I don't know if Rochelle, you want to like chime in and give us a vague idea do we have time to do a full 10 or do we have to shut, cut it down to five are we good no no we're doing 10 okay as long as we're good yeah may i begin yeah go ahead number 10 is kind of a general one i kind of tried to do moments but i kind of had to combine a few to make things make more sense and number 10 for me is just the introduction of the horsemen in general ah. um, they are a they are a piece of mysticism and lore that i am so in love with so the them and if I had to forcibly choose one scene, 
uh, it would be way higher on the list because it would be death. (laughs) (laughs) Death, death, death intro, Jesus. Agreed, agreed. So I took it very literally and really did moments. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) My... My brain just needs the rest of mine are much more unique moments. I promise. (laughs) Um, So my number 10 is drunk Cass in 99 problems. (laughs) Uh, That one is a little higher on my list and we'll get to that. Awesome. Uh, My next one is Cupid in the alleyway. (laughs) (laughs) That to me was just such a like, so did I, it was going through the episodes and I can't remember like, are there any scenes that really had me like, either floored or that was just a pure golden moment. Right. No, that's true. So I, I also like, so I picked moments that are either that are, that I find really good. So that can mean like really funny or really heartbreaking. So just want to preamble with that because my I, number my, nine yeah. <laughs> is uh, Adam telling Sam that they, they might be blood, but they're not family in point of no return. That is a good one. That one, that one made like I, I made like an honorable mention list. I won't read just because I was like listing ideas. Mm-hmm. That one definitely made an impact on me, though. Uh, my next one's another really positive one, though, and that is some positive gay representation at the end of the Supernatural convention. Ah, I love. You that. know what? Very for a good. show, for a show that Wallet has so many queer connections, um, mm-hmm. for us as viewers, it itself is kind of lacking sometimes in the positive messaging. This was just a nice little like. Chef kiss. A little sprinkle. Yeah. Love it. Rainbow Thank sprinkles. You. Number eight for me is Callie reminding us that the West is not the center of the world in uh, Hammer of the Gods. I, I have a Hammer of the Gods one coming up, but my next one is actually um, uh, the, the interactions between Old Man Dean and Bobby, because while they're incredibly funny <laughs> and like there are such good laugh out loud yes. moments, they do it twice and it's funny both times. Uh, it is still a good growing moment for them as like equals, which I think is super important to the series as overall. I agree. Uh, so for me, number seven is uh, basically every single moment of changing channels. <laughs> yeah, I like, kind of, I'll, I'll be very blunt. I have that on my list too, pretty much. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little higher up. We'll get there. But my next one actually <laughs> is another uh, semi-vague episode one, which is, just walking into the conference room and seeing all the gods of different pantheons seated around right. this table. Uh, yeah, that that cool. to me, like the moment you realize what they are and how, like that, the like how small Sam and Dean feel in that moment. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I agree. It was a great moment. Um, my number six was getting a glimpse at Sam and Jess's relationship in Free to Be You and Me. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I know it's like something that we don't really think about all that much, but I, I I really wish that we had known more about the relationship and about Jess, like just in general. I, I kind of feel that too. I, I would like to see more of Jess and like how they met. Like I'd love to see like a mini, like even just if it's like in the margins of like one of the officially released books or something. Yeah, I agree. Um, my next one is another very funny one is um, why'd you use tongue? <laughs> That, again, I think launched so many <laughs> mental ships, and I mean, like, the physical boats, not, like, relationship ships, um, yeah. of what Crowley is to me and how much I love him. Uh, I love Crowley. And that was really the moment, that was the that was the moment he went from being, oh, I really like Crowley, to, like, he's my second favorite character after cast now, great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Number five, 
hippie Cass and his unconditional and redacted love for Dean in the end. <clears throat> oh my God, yes. Um, I did that. Yeah, number number four is um, my turn to say um, all of changing channels. All of changing uh, but channels, I do, yeah. but I do want to say specifically, if I have to be really nitpicky, it is the Doctor Sexy MD moment of just in Dean's like shock and awe at meeting him. It's him. Um, <laughs> but also, just a quick shout out to the Gate Leapers for recording that episode with us because that also oh, became yeah. one of my favorite recordings this season because we got to record with some good friends. That was so much fun. Honestly, it mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. It was so scary to post it like un uh, unedited like it really was anyway <laughs> um my number four was dean giving Cass the last night on earth speech and free to be you and me like i still cannot believe that this is a thing that happened in supernatural <laughs> like- <laughs> yes that was another one of my honorable mentions but i had some cast ones already that I, I was happy with but um yeah uh we're, we're in the top three now this is the big three for me yeah number three pizza with death there is yes. something about I, I, I'm another thing I'm super into is the like lore of reapers and death as an entity. So having death kind of play the role as the horseman and the entity of death itself, like the reaper, not all reaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of having those moments with death where it's like a conversation are always bits in media that I just fall so madly in love with that. Yeah. This was just, Oh, it was so and Dean's acting. Holy shit. Was it good? It's all amazing. Uh, my number three was Bobby's capacity to keep Dean focused in abandon all hope. Oh, damn. Yeah. I always think about <laughs> that. Like, it's just, it's a, yeah. Oh no, that is, I know when I remember when it came up on the show, we really had a lot of heartfelt moments about that one. And I, I feel that it was, a, it was a heavy recording. So number two, I already said was one that I had on my list and it's the drunk cast. And this gets uh number two for two very big reasons. One being uh, the humanization it does of cast, the, what we learn about Cass and how he has learned to be human from Dean, which I think is a huge yeah. thing and shows uh, how he is learning. Uh, mm-hmm. But also a shout out to at Margaret Church A on Twitter, who did some beautiful fan art I requested of uh, Cass drinking a liquor store. Yeah. Um, and I just felt that moment was already such a fun one. And then getting that as a gift on top of it just skyrocketed it up to number two. Uh, if, 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 if ever like, um you know there are uh stickers that come out of this i we will let everybody know because this was this was amazing fan art thank you so Mm -hmm. much for doing that for us we're so happy (laughs) it was awesome uh my number two was we've already talked about it but jeff's intro scene in two minutes to midnight Um, so simple so well done so on point we've said enough i'm not gonna harp my number one moment, the the pinnacle of not just season five, but like would probably be like top five, if not top three of the first five seasons. Mary, can you guess what it is? Oh no, don't do this to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I thought it'd be really obvious. I'm sure people are already chanting it at home. It's fucking Zachariah gets what oh. he goddamn deserves. Right in the okay. jaw. We went in really di- different directions for that one. <laughs> I, you know what? It was as soon as we had this prompt of top ten moments. It was so clearly the one that I was just so excited for. And as mm-hmm. much as it's more of a personal one, it's just seeing a character who's so, like, and again, it just goes to show how good of an actor he is, how good of the writing was for Zachariah. They were able to make him such a perfect 
fucking asshole. Sorry, my language, yeah. everyone. I try to be a little reserved, but Zachary takes that out of me. And seeing him get what he deserved in such a beautiful way, and also in a moment of growth for Dean, because they actually tie it to Dean's growth. It's just like, yeah, I couldn't not give it number one. Mm-hmm. But now right. yours. <laughs> so mine um, is Dean and young Sam watching fireworks in Dark Side of the Moon. You know, it's funny. I kind of thought you were going to go with one of those. I, I, I'm like, I'm like, what's the happiest Sam and Dean moment this season that you would pick as your first? Yeah. That kind of was where my brain went. And it was like definitely up there. Yeah. Um, I, I know we need to go quick, but can I give a quick honorable mention for worst yeah, moment of the season? Yeah, go ahead. Of my least favorite scene of this episode, of this entire season? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fuck Chuck. Ah, <laughs> uh, ha, ha. That final reveal, I mean, you will hear me go on a lot more in-depth on it uh, last episode, but um, wow, was that a twist I was not expecting. And Or no, a twist I wasn't expecting because I predicted it because it would be too stupid to actually do, and then they freaking did it, and I... We need yeah, to go no. look back in our audio because I know <laughs> I distinctly remember you saying, imagine Chuck, imagine Chuck is God. And you're like, oh no, that'd be stupid. I'm like, yeah, that'd be really silly. Or like, I, can you imagine? <laughs> I'm going to put a, I'm, I'm writing a note in my notes now so that when this episode goes live on our feed to go back to that episode and find the audio and make a TikTok out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been in like the predictions or something. I can't remember. Uh, no, I think, is, but... I think if anything, I said it during the episode where we first meet Chuck, I think, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Because we talk oh, yeah, about what the, the ending means. Yes, 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 yes. I think that that would be a really good place to start. Okay, it's in my notes. Let's see if I actually remember Ooh. it. All right, now that we've had a lot of fun. <laughs> Sorry, Aubrey's, Aubrey's comment in the chat killed me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a very, uh, it's it's accurate. Yeah. Drew, do you have any reflection and call to action with regards to like the season and the themes that we've been discussing? Yeah. So this season had a very slow shift in it from a rocky relationship between brothers to a found family at what I would consider the peak of its strength and unity. Like it really feels like it, like they have reached a point where the, the core unit, which I would say includes Cass at this point, mm-hmm. uh, Sam, Dean, Bobby, Cass, just to be super blunt. Mm-hmm. has really reached like a huge pinnacle of like what they truly can be. But life doesn't always allow us time and space needed to grow at our own pace. Sometimes we up and sell our homes and move a province or two away with about two months notice and have to restart a lot of our life. So I did all that. And while it's uh, meant a lot to a, a lot of shaking up of my social and professional life, it's been an opportunity to really see what of my relationships are strong enough to survive such an event? And it's made me feel closer to many, even though physically that isn't the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my very succinct call to action going forward with everything that's gone on in my life uh, that I've already kind of started is um, to keep friends close, my family close, my found family close, and not let anything stop me from being loved and loving others. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, there was... There was never a doubt that this show would be hindered by my move. If anything, it'd be a benefit because I'm a night owl, so I can stay up later and work on these things, which is more fun for me. Uh, and I get more time between work and records. Right. Um, but like, I don't feel like it's hindered our relationship, our ability to communicate and our ability to run this show and to be friends. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I definitely miss being able to go get a coffee with you when the coffee shop we like is damn open. Um, 
I'm there in May. We'll find a day. I swear we'll get a coffee. I'm sure I owe you one. Not on a Sunday and not on a Monday. That's when they're closed. <laughs> or on a Thursday, if it's the third Thursday of the month and the moon is full. Who goddamn knows that place? But if it's a full moon, they're open late, though. <laughs> of course, for the werewolves and the waffles. But uh, that is my call to action. And very succinctly, I'd like to also take a moment here to thank everyone for being here tonight. I know we thank you at the top of the show. Yeah. But I consider so many of you so much friends and found family and close. Um, I know it's so cheesy to say, but like events like this and even just the discord and just the comments on Twitter uh, and the back and forth in our games and our other content has just shown me what it means to have family and friends around the world like this. Um, so thank you everyone for being a part of this. Thanks, Drew. Thank you and so much Mary, for sharing that. I really appreciate it. How have you reflected and what actions have you called yourself to take this season? Oh man. So, I mean, a lot of like this the discussion this season um, and season recap like has been about like longing for change uh, in the way that like longstanding relationships, like particularly with family members are either perceived, lived or expressed. And I've personally been feeling a longing for change, like not necessarily for family members, but like really in my relationship with myself. And by the time that this is released, like you'll all have been able to hear my little breakdown in the season five finale in my call to action. Uh, And honestly, like that's really my main takeaway from like the season on a personal level that like growth is uh, change and change means um, like making specific moves in spite of like that fear and like embracing growth is like a fearless thing to do. And I, I feel called to change and to grow and to be fearless and to listen to landslide. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, and you know, and I know, I know I speak for many people, but for myself, I'll just say, I'm here for change. I'm here for you. Whenever change comes, I'll follow. Thank you. So we ha- we do have a, a little five minutes where we can maybe, yeah, we have we do have five minutes. I see the the five on the screen um, where we would be able to answer like questions, respond to comments, or if you have anything you'd like to share about like maybe your favorite moment of season uh, five that we haven't talked about, um, now would be a really good time uh, to do that. Yeah, so I think we said just use the hand raise emoji there in... Uh... If you want to, if, 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 if you want to, if you want to be heard, or if you rather type, you can type. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Rochelle, did we have any questions come up prior to this that you wanted to pull out? Well, or I can also respond to like the season six uh, comment that I made and clarify that also at the beginning of the episode. I was gonna say maybe we should respond to that. <laughs> okay, let's let's do that then. So what I I think what I meant to say, like because I think. Um, uh, Nell called me out on this being a very hot take. Uh, and yes, I absolutely agree that it's a hot take that I said that, like, I don't think that you technically need season six and seven in order to understand the rest of the seasons. But I, I really want to, like, limit it to that in the sense that, like, I don't think we should get rid of six and seven, um, especially not six or seven. But, like... <laughs> I don't want to get rid of any of them. But I mean, if I had to choose, I would definitely choose to keep six over seven. Just saying. Um, But each of them have like some really, really good gems. And Drew, honestly, I'm so excited for the monsters that we're going to be seeing with you, like the monster of the weeks. Like we (laughs) we do get to see like a little bit more about monsters, particularly uh, in season six. So I think that that'll be like a really exciting adventure. Um, yeah, 
and, and again i'm excited for you to watch the man who would be king because like yeah that's again an episode that i've heard the name of it's like you know i i i don't want to risk spoilers but i think i should just like get a list of the set of the, the episode see if any other names like jump out to me as ones i've heard in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. because that'd be kind of fun uh fun sorry i started reading a text as i spoke <laughs> So Drew, like if you could ask like the cast and crew or crew, like one question about season five, what do you think it would be? Mary, I'm throwing literally, that que- I was literally about to ask that question. <laughs> well, because I saw you highlighting it. So I was like, okay, like that's a message to me that we're supposed to like be pivoting to that. Yeah. <laughs> Behind I want the scenes to discourse. I think it's a really interesting question to ask and we don't have a lot of time, but I thought, and it's also something that like, you know, audience members, please pop in the chat. Like, what would you ask? So Drew, answer. I think the three people I would want to speak to and ask this question to would be the actors behind uh, Joe, Ellen, and Anna, uh, specifically how it felt to come to an end on this series. Did they feel their character reached the end of their journey or do they feel like they were forced off sooner than they wanted to be? Um, because I, I truly feel like Joe and Ellen, while their ending was so sad and so heartbreaking, and as we discussed in the episode uh, when it happens, it doesn't come to any kind of like fruitful like it's not it's not a meaningful sacrifice because they don't get what they are their goal mm-hmm. uh one as an actor how does that make you feel that your character is killed in a way that feels almost like useless um and secondly as someone who's embodied this character for so many years now how does it feel to see that character come to an end what like obviously you would like most people i'm assuming would say i'd love to stay longer but like what would you have wanted Joe and Ellen to do beyond season five? Hmm. Very cool. And you, who would you want to uh, pose what questions to? Um, the questions I want answers to, I would never get an answer. So like, <laughs> I... but in what Mary, like it doesn't matter. We That's even more fun. Those are the ones yeah. I want to hear. What would you ask if you didn't have any limitations and you, you know, someone was guaranteed to answer you? So one of the questions that I would have really loved to ask Nisha Collins uh, about is the how they changed like um, I love past you to I like past you. And that question was actually asked to him not too long ago at a con and he could not remember that this was done. Ooh. Or at least that, that was the answer that he gave that he couldn't remember this. So there you go. That's one unanswered question. And then the second, I would really, really like to ask Jensen Ackles, like what he makes of Dean giving Cass the last night on earth speech. Like, what is Intriguing. your interpretation of that? I, That's what I would like to know. I unfortunately can already hear the Jensen Ackles, like, boilerplate like I, I can't really answer that one or like i'm Which not gonna fine. answer it but, but like, again I would, like if i could yeah. get a full answer like a real truthful answer that's what i would like to ask him yeah pour him one too many drinks and you're chatting you're a little loose-lipped and just see what happens <laughs> conversationally that is it's like I retweeted something through the Twitter account that was like texts from Dean when it's like hashtag pride and it's the rainbow hashtag gay and it's the like turn oh, to yeah. the rainbow <laughs> and then it's like hashtag kissing the homies goodnight and see see bro it's not rainbow it's not gay <laughs> I love that one it's such a classic like, yeah uh, there you go Ooh, we have an interesting question in the chat from Nell may I read it ooh. to you so how do they decide ooh. on the depiction of the four horsemen for their arc for that arc? 
Um, Oh my God. Uh, I would love, that would be one of those like, to sit with the like the showrunners and the writing team and really just be like talk me through the horsemen like what was your like like where did it start where did it end what sacrifices you have to make along the way and like what would you change doing it again um i think i was very i don't want to say defensive but very understanding of the depiction of um famine uh in the sense of how I think it was a translation error from an original idea to a final idea and things that got lost along the way, because I think where famine started was such an interesting concept and they just dropped the ball by the end. Um, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other horsemen, I feel like Heslin's really got a short stick this time. Like, I feel like he, well, I yeah, feel like, Pestilence yeah. got like a third of an episode, like literally 10 minutes. That's all we gave Pestilence. And like, yeah. we know, we know nowadays that like Pestilence is the one who's going to take us all out. Like, yep. Like, people will just not wear masks and protect themselves. So, like, we know, we know that yep. Pestilence is actually the stronger one of all of them. I think that would have been something that is, would have been really interesting to see had Supernatural been done like post-pandemic oh my with the God, same yeah. art what mm. would they have done with like pestilence have had more of a role as sort of like a commentary back on our last two years you know because everything is topical to a specific moment in in right. tv history yeah. right or in time yeah, i guess totally yeah but as a counterpoint to our lack of screen for pestilence and famine's kind of lost in translation uh appearance and choices i think death and war were done phenomenally the like war as much as it was very like it feels almost cliche that line about like oh like you know uh, i barely have to do a thing just you know tell one group that group the other group doesn't like them and look what happens and like you know i'm just i I just basically like lit i just started the tinders and they they caught fire uh is a little cliche but done so well and even giving the kind of that snooty asshole businessman kind of vibe i think worked well um and then We've we've gushed over death enough this week. We're good. Oh yeah, death, death. <laughs> yes. God, Julian Richings is God, just slice like slice of pizza with anything. death, <laughs> please. Yeah, absolutely. Rochelle, what would them. you like to ask the cast? Yeah. Crew? Oh my God, Rochelle, oh, get in here. Five. Oh come on, you got oh, something? I'm sure. Yeah, let, let her let her think. Okay. I know, I know. I'm just excited, <laughs> and also just for editing purposes, <laughs> like, dead air. <laughs> it's also just filling the dead air of editing time. It's to be weird to have a time pause here. <laughs> I think uh, maybe this is just me putting my producer hat on, but I would really like to kind of. Um, it's maybe not so much a question as like be a fly on the wall in the writers' room throughout, yeah. like, and really get a sense of like how do you come from like conception and ideation to actual like like this is going to hit, hit the floor, you know, like I, I'm really interested in, in that kind of process. Like what's your brainstorming mm-hmm. process? What's your decision? And I know what we, we know that like, you know, your showrunners have a pretty set direction in many ways, but um, so many things, especially in production change based on like, oh, we couldn't get that location or, oh, we don't have enough budget. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, what, what is there, mm-hmm. is budget like the weight of everything or mm-hmm. is it like sometime like how do they make those creative decisions um, and what's their sort of hierarchy of what will get caught based on something on a set? So mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, this is just yeah. also coming from the fact that like my wife works in production and I see all these decisions that she makes in a movie and mm-hmm. she's at, she allocates the budget. And I'm like, that is really an interesting mm-hmm. insight into, you know, we get so angry sometimes about decisions and sometimes it's as calculated as like, yeah, we just literally couldn't afford it. And it, oh, well, I, I mean, yeah. if we remember, Everything. like that's what ha- ended up happening a lot in season three, where they started with like this banger of an episode. And apparently like they blew through so much money mm-hmm. that the CW was like, nah, you're going to have to rethink all of your episodes <laughs> of season three now, because like, we don't want to pay for this much stuff. And so like the big war that we were promised turned into something like very different. So mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely think that like budget is like number one. Oh yeah like I am still like of all the things in season five that felt like this was a decision made because we had no money it's still the green room being in like a broken down trailer in Van Nuys California like yeah that to me is still like that was just because it was a cheap filming location or it was free or you already had the land or some bullshit there was no way this was relevant to its location I am like 99% sure that it's the same warehouse as what they used in changing channels I honestly like there's a few times they end up in a warehouse throughout the season besides changing channels I think mm-hmm. I think of uh, I would not be shocked if it's just like something near their set that they're allowed to use freely because there's no one there to stop them and they just whenever they need a big open space they're just like yeah easy go do it <laughs> um monster of the week calls those locations wet pipe factories and I feel <laughs> like that is just like the perfect way of describing them because like you have no idea what it is that this warehouse is for like all you see is like pipes and wet floors and so the wet pipe factory I'm like I oh yeah they're that. in the wet pipe factory right now so anyway yeah, I'm like, I just the thought CW that is notorious for doing that and like filming in these like junky locations because they're super cheap so well yeah there yeah, you go that's probably what I would ask um all right well um Thank you, everyone, I, for your participation in the chat and everything. Speaking of the chat, Aubrey, I'm really wondering if that's a typo or not. <laughs> like, I'm assuming it's a sock puppet. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to say it out loud because I wanted this to be a moment we get to share here just us at the live event. Anyone listening will be like, what are they talking about? I yeah, I, I would say it's same. Like I just rolled with it. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. I'm like, I just want like, is this like a context thing I don't know about? Are we gonna have to deal with that as a monster of the week? Because I'm really concerned now. <laughs> like, I know we get some puppets. I know there's a puppet therapist coming, and I'm excited for, but like that kind of puppet I'd be a little more worried about as a therapist. Although I can imagine some therapy never mind, so I'm ending it there. You've been listening to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast produced by Rochelle Castellano, hosted by Marie Vigoureux and myself, Drew Shulman. Thank you to our bunker patrons, Katira, Elle, and Jeremiah Thomas for their generous support. This week, we'd like to thank everyone who joined us for this live recording on Zoom. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Hive, TikTok, and YouTube using at Carrying Wayward. And leave us a rating and a review, please, 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 pretty please, on your podcast service of choice. And don't forget to join our coffee or Patreon for perks and extra content. You can use the link in all of our social media bios or go directly to carryingwayward.com. 
We're going to take a short two-week break, but don't worry. We've got some fun stuff planned for you during this time, as usual. And we're going to be back on March 31st with Season 6, Episode 1, Exile on Main Street, through the theme of respite. Carry on, our wayward friends.